and uh, go with me if you would. This morning we were in the book of Daniel, and we were talking about Daniel chapter 2 and the image that uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. So go back to Daniel and go to the very next book, the book of Hosea. And I'll give you a minute because unless your Bible has those tabs in it, you're probably uh, going to have to look around. Probably the easiest thing to do is find the book of Daniel and then uh, go over to uh, Hosea and chapter number 4. And uh, my wife and I would like to thank you as a church for uh, your love and support and uh, for the uh, well wishes and for uh, the items that we receive for our anniversary. We sure love being here. And we pray that God gives us many more years together to serve the Lord. But thank you again for uh, for taking care of us. And uh, I always tell people, it's not about me, it's about my wife. And uh, the, my pastor my pastor was so upset when I told him that God was, was stirring my heart to leave. And I was convinced, and I still am to this day, that the only reason he was upset was because my wife was leaving me. That's, that, that is the, the truth, and so uh, God gave us a wonderful time there, and every time I see him, he's like, uh, Brother Theo, you, you, you going to come back? You, you know, you can come on back, and I said, no, we're exactly where God wants us to be, and I'm, lo- I'm enjoying the ministry here, and I'm enjoying getting to know so many folks, and so tonight we're in Hosea as we continue uh, this uh, series on Stand for Truth, and uh, again, just trying to be a blessing to folks, but... How many of you, how many of you uh, like to play games? All right. How many of you like to lose games? Really, you like to lose? <laughs> you know, the reality is, is why do you play? You play to win, right? Uh, people don't like to lose. And unfortunately, when you play games with God, you're always going to lose. And that's what we want to take a look at here tonight. So look with me in the uh, Hosea chapter 4. The Bible says, hear the word of the Lord. Notice again how it starts. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a what? Controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Now he states why. Because there is no truth nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another. For thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Wow, this is some pretty strong language, and we're going to dive into it. 
But I want to share with you a story, a true story. Many years ago, there's the story told of a legendary man that was a man that made his living by juggling. He loved to juggle. He was renowned for it. He traveled far and wide across the country. He would go to various events and even circuses with his skill, his agility of hands. He could juggle just about anything. He was unparalleled in his ability to juggle. He was totally, as he was doing it, consumed with his work. He loved the crowds. He loved the applause. He loved the attention. He fed off of it. He enjoyed it every time he got up to perform. But the one thing about him was he had this tendency to always want to be better and better and better all the time. His life was consumed. And because of that, he did a lot of traveling, performing as he went various places. But because of this love for juggling, he didn't have time, maybe for romance, never had time to maybe find a mate, never had time to start a family. He enjoyed his life until he reached the middle of his life. When he got to his middle age, he began to think about all that he had accomplished. And he thought to himself, you know, maybe it's time for a little change. And so he began to think about his life and all the money that he, he had made and how he had enough money that he could live anywhere he wanted to. He could go any place he wanted to. He could do whatever he wanted, but he was tired in his profession as much as he loved it at the constant pressure that was placed on him for performing. Because everywhere that he won, as good as he everywhere he went, as good as he was, the people were always wanting something bigger and something better from him. So he decided one day that he was going to try to get away. He was going to travel. He was going to maybe seek out a place that when he found it, wherever it would be, that he would say, this is a place that I would like to live, perhaps maybe meet somebody and get married and have a family. And so he thought to himself, well, if I'm going to do this, I certainly can't take and carry all my money with me. So he thought, what can I do? How can I bring my wealth with me? So he decided that he needed to buy something of value something that he could take with him that was his wealth and that he didn't want to carry something that was burdensome to him and that when he got to wherever it was, that he could cash it in for what it was worth no matter where he would live or where he would go in the world. So he got his, he wanted to get his money back. And, and as a result of that, he began to think, what can I do? What can I purchase? What kind of possession? And he came to the conclusion and he walked into a local jewelry store. When he went into this diamond store, he began to look around and he told the owner there, he says, I'm looking for something and he described it and the owner says, I have exactly what you're looking for. And he found this very rare, very valuable diamond. It was about the size of a diamond that fit in the palm of your hand. Very large diamond, worth a lot of money, and he paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase it. When he bought it, he went home and he had a little box that he put it in and he locked that box. And then as he was getting ready to leave, he had packed his suitcase, he put that little locked box with that expensive diamond in that suitcase. 
and he began his journey. He decided he was going to travel back in the day by ship, so he boarded the ship with this lockbox in his suitcase, and the days kind of grew long as they were out to sea. The days were very long and at times very boring. There was nothing to do. One day, he's on the ship, and one of the passengers just happened to see him from a distance and went up to him and said, aren't you, and called him by name, the, the famous juggler? At first, he kind of brushed it off, but he was so bored himself, he said, yes, I am. And so all of a sudden, there were other people standing around, and they were excited that at least maybe something was going to help them make this voyage. They all began to beg him, hey, why don't you juggle something for us? And so he started to juggle a few things, and it was entertaining for a while, but before long, the people got kind of bored with what they were doing, and they were really uh, egging him on about maybe something that was a little bit more daring, something that, that maybe would excite them more than what he was throwing up in the air. And so he says, tell you what, I'll be back in five minutes. He went down to his cabin, and he unlocked his luggage, and he took out that little box. He unlocked that box, and he took out that very expensive and rare diamond, and he made his way back to the deck of the ship. He showed the crowd this beautiful, rare diamond. He explained to them how he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this very rare diamond. And, of course, they were all excited about it. And he said, you want to see something? You want to see some risk? And what he did was he went over to the side of the ship. He leaned over the edge of the ship, over the water, and he took that expensive diamond and he threw it up in the air. And the people stood there watching as that diamond started to spiral through the air, and it came back down, and just in time before it hit the water, he caught it. Everybody was excited. Their, their, their crowd is yelling. They're saying, more, more. And so, he, again, he gets very worked up about it, and he takes that diamond, and he reaches out again over the water, and he throws it up in the air a little higher this time. And the sun kind of took it out of their eyesight a little bit. And all of a sudden, that diamond's making its way back down, and he reaches out to catch it. And right before it hits the water, he catches it. And everybody's, wow, more, more. They're, they're egging him on. And this was exactly what he wanted to get away from, but he finds himself right back in the middle of it. Just about that time, they're chanting more, more. He gets so excited he reaches over the edge of that boat, and with every ounce of strength that he had, he throws that diamond as high as he could throw it. They say that it appeared like the diamond went so high into the sky that it totally disappeared. It was gone for quite a while. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it reappears. He's standing there leaning over the edge of the boat with his hand over the water, with that steady hand waiting for his priceless treasure. And as it is about to hit his hand, the boat hits a wave. And it jolts the boat just enough to the left that that priceless stone hits the tip of his fingers and it falls into the murky ocean to sink to the bottom. You see, he lost it forever. 
never to get it back. You look at Hosea here in chapter 4. He's speaking here about the nation of Israel. Just like that man that had spent his life juggling balls and juggling whatever he could find, you, you find that Israel too had gotten instructions, received instructions from God. Today we call it the Bible. But they received these instructions for God, but what did they do with those instructions? They gambled with it. And according to the Word of God, when we come to Hosea chapter number 4, they gambled with the instructions God had given and they lost. They lost. See, it's never wise for us to have a controversy with God. Just consider that thought. Again, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Now, why was God upset? I really think that if you look at probably one of the easiest examples to think of, I think of America today, and I wonder as God looks at America, does God have a controversy with us? Why was God upset with the nation of Israel? Why was God at odds with the nation of Israel? Well, again, the prophet Hosea says that because there was no truth, there was no mercy, there was no knowledge of God in the land. Kind of sounds like the news, doesn't it? Now look at verse 2. The Bible tells us that without truth, without mercy, without the knowledge of God, watch this, here's the the principle of replacement or replenishment. Now see if this sounds familiar. You take truth away, you take mercy away, and you take the knowledge of God away, what are you going to put in its place? Look at verse 2. Swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery, all of these things have took the place of truth, mercy, and the knowledge of God. People are playing games. Israel was playing games with God, thinking that they could embrace sin and get away with it. What are you risking tonight? at the casino of life? What is it that you're willing to throw away? What of God's instructions are you, like that juggler, throwing in the air, thinking that it'll be okay, thinking that you can catch it, playing games that when you think that you're going to catch it, all of a sudden, just like that boat, something's going to come along and jolt your life just enough That what you're juggling is going to fall and it'll be lost forever. I want you to think about this because it's something that God was trying to get Israel's, get the nation of Israel's attention. How much can we afford to lose? How much are you willing to lose? We think that our lies and our dishonesty and our murders and adulteries, our inward blasphemy of God is all covered. But look what the Bible says there in your notes in Luke 12. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, 
neither hid that shall not be known. What Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. The Bible says in Psalm 69, 5, O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not hid from thee. You cannot hide your sins from an all-knowing, all-seeing God. And yet we think that no one knows about my sin. You know why? Because we, we tell ourselves it's in my heart and no one can see it. Now you might be fooling your spouse and you might be fooling your friends and your neighbors and your family members, but listen, you're never going to pull one over on God. See, the Bible says, look at it, Psalm 139. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from me, and the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Listen, God's hand is on the, your boat. It's on your life, and God can jolt you just enough to the left that suddenly everything that you're gambling with is lost. It's gone. And from this passage tonight, from verse number 6, I want you to see four things that God reveals, devastating losses that we suffer when we play games with God's instructions. Now notice the first thing we see is Hosea says there will be a lost foundation, a lost foundation. The Bible says in verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You see, folks, listen, no structure will stand the test of time on a faulty foundation. See, there's only one foundation that's ever been laid, and that foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's upon the rock that we want to build our foundation. We want to build our lives. Uh, when we were in California, it was kind of interesting. I had been involved in construction for so many years. Most of where I grew up, when they would build a structure, a house or a building, whatever it may be, they would, they would come with excavators and they would dig out a, a hole in the ground and they would pour footers and then they would set walls, concrete walls, foundation for the house that would sit on top of it. Now, I've lived in a lot of places, California, now Florida, where there are no basements. The ground is very sandy. When we went to California and we saw God working in our ministry out there, one of the things that I noticed when I was out there was how they do things when they're getting ready to build a building. It was kind of funny. Now, we were in the part of the Mojave Desert. The Mojave Desert has a, basically a sandy area, and the dirt is really different there. What they would do is they would come in, and they would, they would take out the dirt, and they would pile it up to the side. They would continue to dig and pile up dirt and dig down, pile up dirt. And again, they knew exactly how far they had to dig down. I, at first, whenever I saw it, I thought to myself, are they digging a foundation? 
And they just kept doing that. Then after a while, the rain sometimes would come and it would turn into a swimming pool. And they would have to wait for the rain to soak into that dry ground so that they could get back to preparing the soil. And here's what they would do is they would take the same dirt and they would put it back in the same place. I thought, how ridiculous. I mean, there's got to be a better way to spend money. But they would take the same dirt, put it back in. Now, the difference was, is as they put it back in, they were compacting it. I remember asking one time, I said, what's that all about? Well, little did I know, again, not knowing the area very well, that there can be pockets of air under the surface. And by digging that out, if there are any pockets, they get those out, and then they compact it so you have a solid foundation to build a building on. Well, when you think about our lives, the reason that Hosea says that there will be a loss is because of the foundation, the lack of knowledge. And Jesus said that what we need is we need a knowledge, not of what this world has to offer, but what does thus saith the Lord. Again, notice verse number one, hear the word of the Lord. What does God have to say? Now, Jesus said it in Matthew 7. Look there in verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. That's what the Bible tells us. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. And he says, if you hear my sayings and you do them, I will liken you unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended. Floods came and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and notice, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built not his house upon the sand. The rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And notice these words. Great was the fall of it. I, I had never met Stephen Pratt. I didn't really know a whole lot about him other than some things he had sent me by email. But I sat in there graciously talking to him and his wife and wonderful couple. But I, I told him, and I, was, I, was, I think I was kind about it. I hope I was kind about it. But I said, uh, listen, I'm not interested, our church is not interested in getting behind somebody that's not going to do things God's way, that's not going to follow the biblical pattern. In other words, there's no other foundation other than Jesus himself. He said this about the church, upon this rock I will build my church. You see, there's so many religions and so many churches today that want to have things their way and want to change things around you cannot improve on God's way. So the Bible tells us how to build our lives. To build your life on the Word of God. Now what are you building your life on tonight? What is your foundation? Oh look, no doubt, you're saved, you're in church, you even have a Bible tonight. But are you building your life on it? It's one thing to carry a Bible. It's another to build your life on it. 
lot of people never touch their Bible. I, I get tickled sometimes. I walk into churches and all the people's Bibles are sitting where they sit in church, but they're not there during the week. People say, well, pastor, I have a couple Bibles. Well, great. I hope you're reading one of them. I mean, what is it that you're building your life upon? Is it your career? Is it your friends, your family? What is it that is the foundation of your life? Because if your foundation is not upon the rock, when the storms come, great will be the fall thereof. You see, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There was no understanding of God, what God wanted. Look, we cannot afford to play games with the Word of God. I love the instruction that God gave. Moses, the great servant of God, had done his service for the people of God. God called him home. And there, standing in the wings, was a young man by the name of Joshua. I love the name Joshua. It means the same thing that Jesus means. And there's Joshua about ready to assume the reins and to take the mantle. And God says to him in chapter 1 and verse number 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now watch this. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to how much? All that is written therein. For then, watch this, by being in the Word of God, meditating on it, observing to do everything that it says, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good what? Success. That's the only place you find. Listen, I'm sorry, Mr. Osteen, but that's that's success in God's eyes right there. Now understand tonight that when we understand in our lives that If we have the right foundation, the Word of God, we build our lives. Listen, that is how we can have success according to the Word of God. But notice Matthew 22, 29. Jesus said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures. By the way, notice, if you don't know the Scriptures, you're not going to have the power of God either. Now, it says here the word err. It means it's a mistake. To not know the word of God. And Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They don't have the right foundation. There's a loss of foundation. Look, there have been many, and we were talking in my office before the service tonight, how so many that have once believed what the Bible says, and so many that once stood for the old-time religion and once stood on the principles of God's word, But they got to the place where, listen, it wasn't exciting enough, and they've gone over to the edge of the boat, and they're standing with their hand over the water, and they're taking that foundation, and they're throwing it in the air, and they're just hoping that they can catch it before it falls. But I'm going to tell you, for many, it hit their hand and fell, and it was gone. It's lost forever. Hosea says, listen, you can have a lost foundation. But not only that, look in verse 6, at a lost favor. The Bible says again in verse number 6, he says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He says, because 
they have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to uh, no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Now, I don't know about you, but I enjoy the favor of God. I enjoy the blessings of God. I haven't ever met anyone, any Christian that doesn't that would say to me, "Nope, nope, don't like to be blessed." Don't really care if God blesses my life or not. I wonder tonight, do you really want God's blessing in your life? Do you Have you ever needed God's help? Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, you're going to need God to answer some prayer in your life. Can you handle the tragedy of life on your own? Can you handle it when you go through a season of, of maybe doubt or depression or even death? Can you handle it on your own? Can you handle it? Are you prepared to handle life on your own without God? I love what Jesus said in John 15. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, what's the rest of it say? Zero. Zilch, nada. Listen, if the Pratts go to Canada, and they go there without God, guess what's going to be accomplished? Nothing. In your life, you try to do it your way. You try to ignore the instructions of God. You don't heed God's word. Without Him, nothing will happen. You will live a, a boring life, and you'll have wished that you lived your life with God as a part of it, you need, I need the favor of God. We want the blessings of God in our lives. We need the hand of God to bless us. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. See, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. This isn't our church. It's the Lord's house, and it's marvelous in our eyes. God's the one that gives the increase. You see, God's favor is what we're talking about. Jesus said in John 3, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Folks, listen, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, this is a true statement. We are not self-made man and self-made women. The Bible says that we can receive nothing except it be given us from heaven. Everything we have is a blessing from the almighty hand of God. The Bible says in James 1, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. But yet we live in a culture that honestly, sadly, I can't hardly let my wife sometimes after dark, after hours, even go to Walmart. You know, we live in a time where you can't hardly walk across the street because of the culture that we live in. And I think about so many, there's even so many great examples of those in the Bible that at one time God favored them. God's blessing, God's hand was upon their life. But what they did was they took the favor of God and leaned over the boat and threw it up in the air and it was lost forever. I think of one by the name of Samson. Samson took the Nazarite vow. 
he was supposed to keep himself away from certain things and not cut his hair. And time and time again, he just kept flirting, thinking he, he was okay, thinking he was going to get away with it. He told his parents, I want you to go get me. That woman stepped outside of the will of God. And Samson threw that Nazarite vow into the air. He was playing games with God. Folks, listen, I know what I'm talking about. I see it all the time. Some of the best Christians that I know think that they can handle it and play with certain things. But notice what the Bible says in Judges 16.20. After being after Samson for so many times, trying to find the secret of his strength, time and time again he's having sport with her. He would tell her something and then it wouldn't happen and she would get on to him. Samson, listen, if you love me, then you would tell me the secret of your strength. And finally he gave in and notice she said to him, the Philistines be on thee. And Samson, look at this, he awoke out of his sleep. And here's what he said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. One of the saddest statements right here. He wist not that the Lord was departed from him. God's hand was gone. God's favor was gone. Folks, we need God in our lives. Without him, we can do nothing. Samson lost the favor of God. Why? Because he rejected the knowledge of God. And listen, because he rejected the knowledge of God, watch this, listen, I know it sounds harsh, harsh because he rejected the knowledge of God. God rejected him. Read Romans 1. The Bible says on a couple occasions, God gave them up. God gave them up. The favor of God was gone. And we too, like Samson here, we too need to wake out of our sleep because what are we trying to do? We're trying to do the same thing, same thing Samson did. That, hey, listen, he says, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out just like I did before, just like I handled it last time. Listen, it's not about you handling it. I, I'm glad that the Pratt's, and I, I'm glad he showed up tonight, so I got some sermon material. But I'm glad that Brother Pratt's got a plan. I'm glad that, that when he goes there, he's not going to just say, hey, listen, how are we going to do this and just wing it? No. He's following what the Word of God says. He's planning to do things God's way. And understand in our lives, we cannot just do things the way we've always done things because watch this, if we reject God, if we reject His Word, the Bible says here that if we reject Him, He will reject us. And there'll be a loss of favor. But notice Hosea doesn't stop there. He says there'll be a lost foundation. There'll be lost favor. How about this one? Hits close to home. There'll be a lost family. Go back to verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. Look at this. I will also forget thy children. Wow. That one really hit. See, this is the one prediction that the devil does not want us to read. He doesn't want us to consider this, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. I mean, a lot of people, and I see this all the time, they may not say it, but they live it. 
I'm too busy for God right now. I've got too much going on. And God says, when you forget me, I'm going to forget your children. I'm not making it up, folks. It's right there in the Word of God. Glaring example of that again, and I, again, I, I love our nation. But I think of America back in 1962. That was the decision that was made. Is listen, we've decided we don't need God. So what did we do? We're not allowed to pray in public and read the Bible in the schools. And so here's America now in 2022, scratching our heads. What happened? Why are we in the shape that we are in? Well, it's easy to see the reason we are in this despicable condition is because we took God out. God is no longer a part of our nation, a part of our education system. We wonder what happened. I'll tell you what happened. We started playing games with God and we lost. The Bible says children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. No matter how good life is, listen to me. When your family is hurting, you hurt. When somebody in your family is going through something, can I just say tonight that really take it as an admonition, take it as an encouragement, take it whatever way you want, but are you trading your family for what you are living for right now? I don't know what it is. You do. You know where you spend. Everybody has time for what they seem to be important in their life. Now, it's your decision. It's your choice. But bottom line is, are you trading your family for what you're living for? If you don't have a spiritual home, you're trading your kids for whatever it is that you have. I think about someone in the Bible in the Old Testament, Lot. You see the story of Lot, and there's so many things I could mention, but one thing I remember years ago when I first started reading that story about his life was how his his uncle, Abraham, gave him some instructions. He was trying to help him. He tried to give him some wise counsel. But guess what Lot did? He disregarded the old man because the old man just didn't understand. And so what did he do? He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, in his mind, he knew what he wanted. In his mind, he knew what he needed. And notice Genesis 19, 14, Lot went out after all that happened, and you know the story probably, he spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. Notice, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. The word there, mocked, means that they thought that he was having sport with him. That in in a way, it was that he was having a laugh with him. You know why? Because he hadn't been serious about his family. He hadn't made his family the priority. I I believe this all my heart. Stephen even mentioned it. How listen, without my family, without my wife, I wouldn't have a ministry. You see, I, I love pastoring, but guess what? 
if it came between pastoring and came between this church and my wife or this church and my family, listen, the most important thing that I have in this world outside of the Lord is the family that God's given to me. You see, there are so many that are trading their family for what they're living for. Lot played games with God, and guess what? He lost. Let's look at this. A couple things that might help you. There in your notes, Lot became cultural, and he lost his family. You remember what happens? Lot is at the, he's seated at the entrance of the city. He had a place of prominence. He had bought in lock, stock, and barrel. You see, that became the focus of his life. I just still, every time I read about those unwelcome guests that are banging at his door, that want those visitors that God sent into the city, and he offered up his own daughters. Every time I read that, I get, I get repulsed. You see, he, listen, he became cultural, and he lost his family. Notice not only Lot, but how about Eli? Eli the priest, he became cold-hearted, and he lost his family. I mean, everybody, listen, everybody, including Eli, knew about the wickedness of his kids. And he just turned his eyes, did nothing about it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Your kids do not run your house. In so many homes, uh, things have gotten reversed. The children are running the home. That's not God's way. God has an, an authority structure in the home. And God just placed the husband, if there is one, to be the head of the home, the wife to be the helpmeet. And it's important that we do things God's way. The Bible says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Kids don't like to hear that. But again, that's the word of the Lord. You see, Eli, he became cold-hearted. How about David? David became casual. He lost his family. It was a time where the kings were supposed to go to war. They were supposed to lead in battle. And where's David? He stays behind. He's up on the roof. He sees a woman, and you know the story. And as a result, there was a loss of a, of a child. And then after that, it was one after another after another. The great sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart. But he was a man that became casual and lost his family. How about Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived? Had 700 concubines, 300 wives. But he became carnal, and he lost his family. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. Look at how many times in the book, 12 chapters, you find the word vain, the emptiness of life. You can have all that this world has to offer. And I'm going to tell you something, nothing will ever take the place of the family that God gives to you. It's so important that we understand that if we play games with God, and these that I mentioned, as well as many others, they played games with God and they lost. You see, I see a lost foundation. Hosea talks about lost favor. He talks about a lost family. But I want you to see the last one is a lost future. Now go back to verse 6 and go to the very beginning of the verse. And here's what it says. My people are destroyed. My people are destroyed. See, everything we did yesterday, 
And everything that we do today will in some way be connected to our tomorrow. Just think about that. You see, all of it's going to connect. We want to live for today. We want our needs met for today. We think that it doesn't matter if we're throwing away the knowledge of God, that we're throwing away the favor of God. What we do today will affect your tomorrow. So many people never want to look down the road. By the way, it will also affect your eternity. Think about it. The end thereof. The Bible says in one verse, the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, we must consider what we do. There are two stories that we find in the Word of God, two chapters, one after the other in the Gospel of Luke, two men that actually played games with God. The first one you come to is in Luke 15. Remember the story about what we oftentimes call the prodigal son? Here he was, watch this, he's at home, and his daddy's taking care of all his needs. Life is good. Somehow, he just, in his mind, comes to the place where he's no longer happy. And he demands of his father that he would give him his right, his inheritance. By the way, it was wrong of him to even ask. But as a loving father, he gave it to him. The Bible says he took it, he went into a far country, and he wasted it on riotous living. Found himself eaten with the hogs, the slop. And the Bible says that he came to himself. He began to think about how good it was even for the servants in his father's house. And so he began in his mind to rehearse the story that if he had the opportunity that he would share with his father. He was getting his story down. He was making his way back. But notice that the Bible says in Luke 15, 17, when he came to himself, he said this, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. In other words, he was playing games as a child. Look, so many times we do the same thing with God. We play games with God. But look, God wants us to do is just like in that story is, is that we need to do exactly what that son did, and that is we need to return back to God. God's given us that opportunity. Stop playing games with God. See, what we find here is that that son there, he gambled away his earthly future, the things of this earth. But you take one chapter beyond that, you come to Luke chapter 16, and here you find that story of the rich man, you know, that fared sumptuously. This particular man gambled away not his earthly future, but he gambled away his eternal future. See, I see this so many people nowadays, even Christians. Just like this man decided that he was going to deal with God and he was going to deal with eternity later. Why? You know why? Because right now, the here and now, his whole life was consumed about the almighty dollar. It's time to make money. One day, this rich man's life, the ship of his life, took a turn just enough to the left where everything that he had was gone lost forever. Look at the Bible says in Mark 8, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange 
for his own soul. See, tonight has really been just a time for all of us to meditate, to think about, are you playing games with God? You playing games with God about your eternity? I hope not. I hope you've settled that. But if you are one of his children, listen, he invites you to come to him. He's waiting. He wants to help you. Jesus invites us. He does not want us to lose our foundation. He does not want us to lose God's favor. He certainly doesn't want us to lose our family. And he doesn't want to lose the future that he, God, has prepared for us. I asked earlier, how many of you like playing games? And everybody came. And I asked, how many of you like to lose? Think about that. What are you losing? What are you throwing in the air thinking that you can catch it? But just one quick jolt of your life, whatever it may be, and will it be gone forever? Would you bow your heads with me this afternoon, this evening? It's no time to play games with God. It's time to get serious. I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's Sunday night. You're here. And if your heart is in tune with this message from Hosea that was from the Lord, then you could take this maybe as preventative medicine tonight. But if you've been playing games with God's Word, and you've been taking advantage the grace of God in your life and you've been taking advantage of the family those that God has placed under you and you've even taken advantage oh I'm saved I have eternal life do you know that's not an excuse to live any way you want because we will all stand before God one day stand to our feet tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you come tonight and do business with God on a Sunday night before we head into another week. Listen, you might want to just come and say, Lord, help me. Help me to stop tossing things in the air that should be of great value to me. Why? Because it's of great value to you. Some of you need to get serious about your foundation. Get into the Word of God. Study it. Know it. Live it. Some of you have maybe gotten to a place, even, even with God's blessing in your life, where you're no longer thankful the way you should be for the favor of God. They say, that you never appreciate something until it's gone. I heard Brother Kenny talking about Mother's Day. Some of you, shame on you. Some of us don't have a mother here anymore. What I wouldn't give, what I wouldn't give to hug on my mama's neck one more time. And if there is something in your heart that's keeping you from being right with anyone. We're talking about family, folks.
Time is too short. Don't lose what God's given to you. As Brother Kenny sings, Would you walk with us? You know the song, sing it with me. In the light of his word and have peace and contentment always. You must do his sweet will to be free from all. Sweet rest. As he heals in your body Lord, thank you for all the all the many blessings that you bring into our lives. You really are our greatest treasure. Lord, where would we be without you? We know that we can accomplish nothing. The truth is, without you, we are nothing. But because of you, because of salvation. We're a child of the King. Lord, help us to live like one, to not forfeit, not throw away, not gamble away the things that you have given to us. We are rich because of you. Help us to live in a way that's pleasing to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name.